I just wanted to say hi to you guys. Uh, if you're new here, if this is your first time at Connect, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Deej. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect. And it's my pleasure to kind of welcome you uh, into our church. This is how we do church. This is how we start our week. Amen. Uh, and I have the privilege to introduce our guest speaker today, all the way from New Jersey. Pastor Dan Stoffer is with us today, uh, and uh, his wife, Stephanie, and the kids. Uh, they're blessing us today, uh, and we are so privileged as a church to be able to have, you know, the speakers from uh, the best speakers around the U.S. to be able to speak right on this stage, and we're so blessed and privileged. So without any further ado, Pastor Dan Stoffer. What's going on, 1115? You better be awake. You guys got to sleep in, you know? We woke up the 915 crowd a little bit, got them shaken up, so we're really glad to be here at 1115. You had breakfast already, you just, I mean, you just kind of roll in, it's like, what's up, everybody? At the 508 in the house. I don't have any idea what that means, but you're here. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, it's just really an honor to be here. And uh, like Pastor Deech said, my wife Stephanie and I pastor in New Jersey, Life Church Jersey. We've been there for about seven and a half years. We planted with ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, which Connect is uh, a partner with that and a part of that. So um, we've just been blowing and going and just uh, really enjoying life, living the dream, as we say, living the dream. But it's just really an honor to be here. And we, you need to know that um, you have amazing pastors. Pastor Derek and Stacy are they are, they're better the closer you get to them. They're more real uh, the closer you get to them. The more you're able to spend time with them, they're just the real deal. And, and you guys just need to know what an amazing church that you have. Like, this isn't normal. I don't know if you realize that or not, um, but this isn't normal to be able to come into a place that's just full of life, you know, a place that we call church. So if you've been to church before and you didn't like it, and then you step in here and like, wow, this is, church can be like this, you know this isn't normal. And it's just amazing. So you guys are blessed and, uh, and just really, it's an honor to be able to come here and to be able to speak and uh, to be a part of um, helping Pastor Derek and Stacy rest with their family and enjoy a little vacation. So thank you for allowing me to be here. And my family, you guys have been taking such great care of us. We, we rolled in last night and just went right into Boston and just hung out a little bit, walked around. And uh, there's some crazy people in Boston. <laughs> some crazy like, just people just putting hats out, just giving money because they're crazy. Like, I'll give you $5. You're crazy. Like, there you go. <laughs> Keep on, right? Anyway, it's just great to be here. We're really, really excited. This morning, I want to share with you guys um, how to work out what's in. How, do you, how to work out what's in. Talking about what goes on on the inside of us when we're dealing with just, just those little things that we just can't seem to shake, whether it's a little unforgiveness, whether it's sadness, discouragement, despair, uh, a setback. You, you experienced a setback maybe in a relationship and it's kind of taken a toll on you and it kind of consumes your thought life. Uh, maybe even in school, those of you that are getting ready to go back to school, sorry to remind you, like you're going to go back to school <laughs> just to help you out on that. But I mean, you're just thinking about like what happened last year and how it ended and, and it was a setback and you're like maybe even dreading going back because of what happened. It's just consuming your thinking. Maybe a, a business decision that just went bad. Maybe you started a business and it went for a little while and then it ended and it is taking a toll on you to where you're wondering, do I, you know, what do I do? You're kind of still in this, this place. And so this morning I want to talk about how to, how to work out 
what's in. And I'm not planning on taking a, a long time. I don't want to, you know, be up here all day. You don't want me up here all day. I know I'm, you know, I'm really good to look at. That's what my wife says I am, right? But, you know, it reminds me of, of, a, of a, a guy that was preaching one time, and he, and he was just preaching his message, and about halfway through his message, this guy just gets up and leaves. I mean, he kind of noticed it. I mean, it's hard not to, to notice that. And the guy gets up and leaves, and right toward the end of his message, the guy comes back in, and the pastor notices, I mean, he looks a little bit different. Can't quite put his finger on it, but he looks a little bit different. When at the end of his message, he goes over to the guy and says, what's going on? I mean, you just got up in the middle of my message and left, and then you came back. Where'd you go? And the guy says, well, I went to get a haircut. He's like, you, you went to get a haircut? Like, couldn't you do that before I started? He goes, I didn't need one before you started. It, it'll catch up. It's all right. It's all right. So how do we, how do we, work, out, how do we work out what's in? Because um, we could be dealing with, with just life itself, you know, just things that come against us in life. I mean, we could be also talking about some, some serious stuff. You know, growing up as a child, I had some serious junk happen to me. And maybe you have as well. And sometimes we make excuses of, well, because of that, this is where, this is why, you know, I'm, it's okay for me to be here because of that. But, I mean, we probably all know someone that seemingly grew up in like the perfect home environment. Parents are still together, still love each other. It was just a good, healthy home. Nothing, they didn't experience any junk. And yet at the same time, they just can't seem to get past some sort of mindset, some way of thinking that just keeps them bound. And it looks like when you, when, if you were to talk with them, or maybe, maybe this is even what's going on in you, it's like, yeah, there's really nothing that happened, but I just can't seem to get through something in my life. Well, today, again, we're going to learn how to work out what's in, and we're going to learn this from a guy. His name is Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote two different books in the Old Testament. One was the book of Jeremiah. He's very creative in his titles for his books, <laughs> Jeremiah. But he also wrote a book called Lamentations, and Lamentations is all about this guy's his sorrow, his grief. And when you start reading Lamentations, I mean, he just is talking about how, how low and, and how depressed and how afflicted he is and all of the things that he's dealing with. And he's, he's talking about where he thinks that he should be, but he finds himself still kind of back here and, he, and he's watching the people that he's supposed to be influencing. And, and they're in captivity, they're in bondage, like their circumstances are really, are really jacked up, they're really messed up, but there's something that's... Their circumstances are having such a negative effect on them, and it's starting to impact Jeremiah. And he, and he says, look, take a look at this, Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, Lamentations 3, verse 19. Jeremiah says this, he says, I remember my affliction. That's kind of a funny statement when you think about it. Like, I remember my affliction. It almost sounds like, yeah, yeah, that, that happened. Yeah, okay, I, rem I, remember. I remember when that happened. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, I was walking down an alley one day, and three guys jumped out and just beat me up with baseball bats. Yeah, I, I remember that. It's like, dude, you remember? Of course you remember that. Like, you're, you, you were attacked. That's like, right? I mean, it sounds like, yeah, I, I remember my affliction. You know, this, this idea. And then he goes on, I remember my affliction. I remember my, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Now, the word affliction here, when he says, I remember my affliction, affliction literally means depression and trouble. So Jeremiah, when he says affliction, in, in the English language, we just see affliction. But in the Hebrew, when he's writing this, when he's speaking this, he's saying that there's something deep. I remember how, how deep this thing was. Like this was a, this was a wound beyond the wound. This was, a, this was, a, this was a, a punch, a blow beyond the blow. Like this, this thing literally almost took me out. He goes, I remember. There's something about this that was so powerful. I remember my affliction. But then he also says, and my wandering. 
And, and this, this wandering means destitution. Now, this is Jeremiah. He is, he's God's prophet. Like, he's known by kings. Like, he's standing before kings. He's, he's sharing with kings, with leaders, with politicians. He's standing before them, and he's letting them know what God has spoken to him about them and about their nation. Like, he has prominence. Like, he is a very respected a steered individual, like when he would walk in, people, this, we're not just talking about just like any, any guy that would just kind of grow up and you had no idea who he was. We're talking about everybody knew who he was. And so as he's speaking here, he's saying, listen, I remember my, my destitution. And then here's what this word wandering actually means. It means homelessness. Without home. He goes, I remember this. I remember what it's like to be, to be homeless. Extreme want... Listen to this, because catch this. There's such an extreme want that, that threatens your life unless it's relieved. Now think about that for a moment. Is there an area of your life where there's just like, is, is this ever, ever going to let up? Is this ever going to change? Maybe it's physical. There just seems to be a, a constant issue going on in your physical body. And you're like, Jeremiah, I'm remembering. Like, it's literally, if this thing doesn't lighten up on me, I don't know what's going to happen. Financial. Relation. Like, if this, if this thing doesn't change, man, I'm, I'm giving it a week. I'm giving it a month. Like, what's the deadline? What, what, what is the timetable for that? Because Jeremiah said, listen, I remember my affliction. I remember my wandering. My, I feel destitute. I'm, I'm without a place. I'm without a people. Like he, when, you, when, you're, when you're homeless, as he's saying this, he's like, listen, everybody knows who I am, but I'm alone in this thing. Like people know me. People call me by name. People follow me on Twitter. I've got the little blue symbol that says, I'm really Jeremiah. Like people are hashtagging me all over the place, following me all over the place, but I'm all alone. Everybody knows me, but I'm alone. I'm wandering. And if this doesn't let up, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. That's what he's saying. And then he says this. He goes a little further and he goes, I will. It's not just a passing thought. This isn't just something that, oh yeah, I saw, I saw, I went to a baseball game and saw baseball bats and I'm like, oh yeah, I remembered I got beat up by them, <laughs> right? It's like, he's not just a passing thought. Look what he says. He goes, I well remember them. Like, I'm still, I'm still feeling this thing. I well remember and my soul, now get this, my soul, my, 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 um, this part of me, this core, my soul is downcast within me. Now, when he says, I remember, I remember my affliction, there's something very interesting about that because he says, my affliction, right? My wandering. This is, this is beyond just something that happened to me. This is something beyond of, of what I saw. This is something that I have taken hold of. I've possess it now, and I have internalized it. This isn't just a circumstance that's around me, a storm that's happened in, in my sphere. This is something that's happened to me, I've taken it as my own, my own, my affliction. There's something powerful about ownership. 
When it's your car and it's your house, you don't just let anybody just walk right in your house and do what they want in your house. It's my house. This is, this is my money. This is my wallet. This is, this is my woman. Don't you look at my, you look at, don't you, don't you look at my, this is my woman, right? When, and these are my daughters. These are my daughters. Boy, you don't mess with my daughter. I might not look big, but I'm scrappy. I'm scrappy. I'll kick. I'll scratch. I'll do whatever, bro. I mean it. I'll pull out a baseball bat. When you own something, right, when it's yours, there's something powerful about ownership. When it's my God and my church, there's something powerful that shifts. Like, you know, we pastor, we've been pastoring for seven and a half years, and we'll have people come up within just a few weeks, and they're like, man, I just, I just love my church. I'm like, yeah, you get it. That's right, ownership, take hold of this. The difference when someone that's been with us for three years, they say, you know, your church would be different. It's like, yep, you're saying to me, your church. You don't have ownership here because there's something powerful about it. That's in the positive side. But what if it's, if I'm owning my affliction? You see, the reason that things were so impactful for Jeremiah and lasted so long, and it might be, it could be, why things seem to stick around so long in your life. Because you call it my depression and my this or my disease or my addiction or my sin or my problem, my financial issues, my... And when you say my, there's something powerful. Jeremiah said, listen, there's an ownership here, which makes sense when he says here in 21 or in verse 20, I well remember them. Because this word remember is the Hebrew word zakar. And zakar means to cause to be remembered, which means there's something that is regularly triggering my mind, my soul, because his soul was downcast in him. There's something about this that's regularly causing me to go back. It's regularly triggering me to look back to that happened to me. This is my problem. And he says it's a cause to be remembered. It means to make a memorial. It means I will make sure, get this, because this is what's powerful about this word, zakar. I will make sure that I never forget. I want to make sure that it's always before me. There's an intersection in our community uh, right next to a diner. So it's Center Grove Road and, and Route 10. And it's about maybe not even a quarter of a mile from where our, our church meets. And a young girl was working a late shift at the diner, walked across the street. And it's a four lane, but just a simple median, and was struck by a car and was killed. And her mom regularly goes to that place and puts out flowers. And there's a, like a, a, a candle that she lights and lights the memorial. And she'll never, obviously, she'll never, it's tragic, it's horrific. And that's this is similar to what Jeremiah is saying. Because this word zakar, when it says to cause to be remembered, Jeremiah is saying, listen, I'm, I'm setting up a memorial to my affliction. I'm making sure that I never forget what happened to me. And he goes, when I well remember, he's like, listen, I'm going to make sure not only, not only me, but I'm going to make sure everybody else knows, like, this is my problem. And, and, and you better not 
you know, blow out my candles. This is my, this is my affliction. This is my wandering. This is my addiction. This is my problem. This is what's going on in my life. And, and taking ownership of it, it literally means to burn incense to. And that's something. I'm going to make sure that I never forget. Growing up, I grew up in, in church. I could have been born literally born at the church. We went there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, vacation, Bible school, missionary stayed at our house. Like we grew up in the church and I grew up in a small town in Northwestern Pennsylvania and attended a small Methodist church. And one of the things though that we did at this church that I loved growing up, I was about six, seven years old and, and my next brother older than me, um, he was about 10, uh, 11 at the time. And we used to do this thing called, called salty and anybody like back in the day, you're going to date yourself. Salty was this, go ahead and put salty on the screen. Salty was this, he was the Bible. <laughs> yeah, literally, it was the Bible. And we would walk around, that's salty the Bible. And we would walk around and we would sing about Jesus and sing about the Bible and, and, and help kids to, to love Jesus. It was awesome. Get, do that close-up shot of salty. You got to see salty on the main stage center. What up, salty? Salty in the house, salty right there. It was amazing. Salty's a little scary for a little kid, by the way. He's a little intimidating. So anyway, we would walk around and we would sing these songs and we would do these little skits and these little plays. And my brother, Doug, man, he was all into Salty. He was about three years older than I was. I'm seven, he's 10. And uh, we had some rules if you wanted to be on Salty's team. Like there were some guidelines to, to go and hang with Salty. And my brother, he, he broke one of the rules. Now, to this day, he swears he did not break the rule. I don't even know what the rule was. But all I know is that the director of our salty group, Pam Millspaw, called up my brother and said, hey, I know we're getting ready to go out on this trip, and you're gonna, we're going to go to these churches, but you can't go with us because you broke the rule. And my brother, he was furious. He was so mad. He's like, I will never forgive her, and I will never forget now, as a seven-year-old little brother, I was loving this baby. I was like, I was like, oh, you're so, he was so angry. I was just loving it. I love seeing him so angry. It was so awesome. It was the best thing ever. Like, I would always try to make him angry. He never got this angry. He's like, I'll never forgive her, and I'll never forget. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting smart now. Seven years old, I'm like, I think I can make some money off of my brother right now. Like, I'm going to do, I'm going to figure this out. So he's like, oh, he's so mad. I said, I'll bet you, I'll bet you forget. He goes, I'll never forget. No, I bet you forget. I'll never forget. I'll bet you $10 you forget. I'll never forget. I'll take the bet. And I was like, $10 was a lot of money to a seven-year-old. I think it still kind of is, but it was like, he'll, so here's, I said, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how many years down the road. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm seven. I'm thinking like next week, <laughs> I'm going to ask him. But I'm like, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how, how old you get, how old we are. I bet you, if I ever ask you, do you remember? And that's all I got to say. Do you remember? That's it. If I say, do you remember? You have to say, I remember that Pam Millspaw would not let me sing with Salty on the trip. And I said, and if you don't remember that, you've got to give me $10. He's like, all right, I'll do it. No joke, guys. I'm not joking. Like, this was about three months ago. I sent my brother a text. He's 46 years old. <laughs> do you, check it out. Do you remember? He's like, wow, the first thing that popped in my mind was Pam Mills, Paul. Now, this is actually a screenshot on my phone, not letting me sing and play. And a little correction there. And I'm like, yeah, it's too funny. I was hoping to collect on that $10. He goes, crazy. I did forget about the $10 part. I was like, I didn't forget about the bet, bro. I didn't forget. 
I was trying to collect with interest. Like that $10 should be like 1000 Like I'm on my money, bro. What happened? He set up a memorial to Salty. Like in his life, he's got candles lit. Like he walks by and like, saw Pam Mills Paw, Pam Mills Paw, I can't believe Pam Mills Paw. But this is exactly what Jeremiah is saying. Like there's something that's going in. There's something that's going on here that he's, he's literally, here's, here's what Jeremiah is saying has happened to him because of his affliction. It's not just a passing, oh man, I remember that, that really stunk. Man, that was a bummer. I wish I could have gone with them. Kind of missed out, but oh well. No, that's not what's happening. Jeremiah says, I, Zakar, my affliction. I, Zakar, my wandering. I'm, I'm so aware of what's happened to me and the pain that I'm feeling. I'm, I'm so, I can't, I just, I can't escape it. It's just like, it's so painful what's happened to me. It's not right what the doctor said is mine. And I just can't seem to get past that broken marriage and those painful things that took place. I can't get past it. And so I'm just going to make sure that I never forget. And there's something that happens when you find yourself in this position, consumed with what's taking place in your life. And Jeremiah says, this has, this has captured me. It's not just what happened to me. I can't. Jeremiah was not able to separate what happened to him to who he was. And you need to know that there is a separation. There's a difference between what happened to you and who you are. But if you're constantly burning incense and setting up a memorial to all of the junk and all of the funk and all of the stuff that continues to happen to you, if you constantly set up a memorial and light candles and burn incense to it to make sure you never forget, guess what will happen? You'll never forget. And I believe so many people are trapped in their past, are locked away because every, everywhere they turn, there's a memorial. Everywhere they turn, they've got some incense burning. Everywhere they turn, they've got a little candle. They walk around with candles. They got them in their pocket like that, like that what is that, antiseptic stuff, whatever it is. The, you know, you put a little squirt on your hands. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Oh, I got some more of that. I got some more of that all hidden away in all these places. And you never break free. You never, it's, we memorialize it. And we go back to it over and over and over again, don't we? We find ourselves trapped in this thing. So what happens here? Because look at the next thing that Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 3 verse 21. He says, yet, that's a really important word there. Only three letters. He goes, yeah, yeah, yep, I've done this. I remember my affliction. I've memorialized it. I've, I'm burning incense to it. You know, it's interesting. In, in, in many religions, they literally use incense as part of their prayer time. You know, there's actually a scripture in the Bible that says that our prayers come before God. They're like incense rising before his throne, like a sweet aroma. Do you know that when you pray? Every one of you, it doesn't matter who you are. 
When your heart's turned toward God and you're beginning to express your heart to God, he literally says it's like a sweet aroma. It's like fresh baked cookies in the oven. That's what my prayers are. I don't know what your prayers smell like. Mine, I got cookie prayers. You can hashtag that right there. That's a good one. Write that down, cookie prayers. But it's like a sweet aroma. What about when you're focused on your despair and your affliction? And What does that smell like? <laughs> don't even, you don't have to say. But think about that for a moment. He goes, yeah, I'm, I got to switch i got to switch something here because I'm, all I'm focused on is my problems. And he goes, yet, even all of that stuff's happened. Now watch the transition here. All of this is true. The affliction's real. The struggle's real. The problems are real. And he goes, yet, yet I'm going to call to mind something else. And when I do, there's a real powerful thing that happens. Take a look. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have... Put that scripture up on the screen, verse 20. 21, I'm sorry. And say that word with me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have... Say it with me. Therefore I have... Hope. Hope. Something shifted to a hopeless kneeling down constantly before our face of all our problems. Something shifted. He says, I've called to mind, and whatever he's thinking of now has caused him to shift from his past... And to actually begin to have hope. And what's interesting is it literally means, to call to mind means to recall, which means there was hope. Do you remember the last time you had hope? Do you remember when it was? It might have been early on in life, but there was some hope. Jeremiah saying, listen, there was a time where I had fresh vision. That's why I started that business. That's why I entered into that relationship. There's something about it. That's why I took that venture. Why? Because there was some hope. There was some vision on the, on the inside of me, but all kinds of life started beating down on me, and here I am, and I'm without hope. I'm wandering. I'm afflicted. Yet, if I'll call to mind the hope I once had, now I come back to the hope, and it's actually what's causing me to move forward. Hope's a powerful thing. Hope's a powerful thing. Reminds me of a, of a captain of a ship. He's out in the ocean, and all of a sudden, his, one of his, his deck boys just comes running in. Captain, captain, captain. There's five enemy ships on the horizon. The captain looks at him. He says, go get my red coat. So he runs and grabs the captain's red coat. Captain puts it on, and the battle just ensues, and they defeat the five ships. So a day later, the boy comes in and says, Captain, when I told you that there was enemy ships on the horizon, you told me to go get your red coat. Why'd you, what was up with a red coat? He says, listen, the reason I got the red coat is that if I got stabbed or I got shot, the men wouldn't see me bleed and they would still have hope. He's like, wow. About a week later, the boy comes running in again, this time like he is really afraid. He says, Captain, Captain, there's 20 enemy ships on the horizon captain stops for a moment he says boy go get my brown pants <laughs> everyone needs a little hope never let them see you sweat that's what it's saying so what what was jeremiah thinking what was he thinking about when he said, I'm, now I'm, I'm calling to mind. I'm recalling something. And whatever he's thinking about, whatever he recalled gave him, gave him hope. What, what changed? Because he said, listen, I'm not going to go back and kneel down 
and burn incense to the problems because there's no hope in that. There's no hope in thinking about all the terrible stuff that's going on and wrong in my life. He says, listen, I've got to recall something, though. I've got to think about something. I've got to return to something. So, Jeremiah, what are you thinking about? What are you, what are you recalling to mind? What are you thinking about that has now turned your depression to hope? Remember we said we want to work out what's in? Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to work out what's in. Now turn to the other person you did not want to talk to and tell them, work it out. <coughs> you got to work it out. What's, what's going on in Jeremiah? Like, hey, listen, he's got his candles, he's got his altar, he's got his memorial. I mean, he's constantly could just turn back and look at all the problems. And yet he says, yet there's something I'm thinking about now that actually gives me some hope. And it's certainly not this stuff. So Jeremiah, what are you thinking about? How are you working out what's in? Take a look at this. The next thing out of his mouth, verse 22, he says, because, because of the Lord's great love. Isn't this interesting? Hope actually begins to rise up in Jeremiah before anything's changed. I mean, that girl still has not said yes to all his asks. You know, hey, you want to go out with me? You want to go out with me? She keeps saying no. <laughs> I just had a flashback to high school. Anyway, um, thank you for saying yes, by the way. I appreciate it. Love, I love you. Because of the Lord's great love, his circumstances haven't changed yet. Like, Israel, Jerusalem, Judah, they're still in captivity. They're still enslaved to the Babylonians. The leaders still, they'll call him in for advice. The kings, the politicians still call Jeremiah in for advice and he gives it to them by the Spirit of God and they still don't take it. Not only do they take it, they're so angry at the advice that he's given them that they throw him in prison to rot. Nothing's changed. He still swipes his credit card, and it says declined. Still pulls out another one, and it's declined. Nothing's changed. Maybe not even anything in his physical body has changed. His circumstances are still the same. He still has to go to work tomorrow. Still has to show up at that job that he doesn't want to go to. Nothing's changed. So what has changed if his circumstances haven't changed, he's saying, listen, I'm calling to mind something. I'm recalling something, and it's given me hope. And here's what I'm recalling, that it's the Lord's great love, and it's because of his great love that we are not consumed. Remember wandering? The, the definition of wandering means that if something doesn't change here, it's literally threatening my life unless there's some relief. The relief is not circumstantial. You and I got to stop looking for our circumstances to change for us to say, oh, okay, oh, oh, okay, I can catch my breath. No, it's not circumstantial. He said, yet what's changing me is not what's happening to me, but it's what's happening on the inside of me when I call to mind God's great love. That's when I'm not consumed. That's when there's a hope that rises up. Why? For his compassions. They never fail. 
his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Even when I wake up and I got to get dressed and I got to go to that job or I got to get up and I get to go to school in just a few short weeks. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Remind you, school like school hasn't started yet, has it? Not yet, right? After Labor Day? No, a little before Labor Day? Yes, too. Isn't that awesome? Hey, go to school for a day and then take a long weekend and then come back. <laughs> I ain't coming back. I shouldn't have gone that day. Why you... No, you're going back. Get up in the morning. What is it? Here's what I got to think about. And this changes me. And then ultimately, the more I'm changed, my circumstances will change. This is what I'm, I'm calling to mind. I'm recalling, which means I'm bringing my soul back. To recall means to bring my soul back to a place of life. I have to do that. I have to bring my soul back to a place of life. So what's he doing here when he says, I call to mind the Lord's great love. Because I'm calling that to mind, I'm not consumed because I'm keeping my mind on that. Because his compassions never fail. Great is your faithfulness. You want to know what Jeremiah is doing? Jeremiah is kneeling down. And he's still making a memorial. He's still lighting candles and he's still burning incense, so to speak. All right? Maybe not literally, but go with me on this. What has changed is that Jeremiah has redirected his worship. He's redirected what he's burning incense to. He's redirected what he's focusing on. Do you know how he works out what's in? Is instead of kneeling down at the altar of his despair and the altar of his affliction and the altar of his problems where he's put all his ownership in the past. He shifted his ownership from owning his affliction and his trouble and his broken relationships and his you know, muddled finances and his messed up you know, job life. He's, he's, he's redirected. He's, he's not burning there. He's kneeling down at the altar of his God. And he shifted his thinking off of his problems and onto his God. And he's now beginning to light candles and beginning to memorialize, to begin to put into permanency his God who will never fail him. His God who is always faithful, whose compassions never cease and never end. He's calling to mind. He's lighting the candle. He's getting into the presence of God. He's taking hold of who God is. He won't let go of who God is, no matter what his circumstances say. And his circumstances continue to not change, but he continues. The longer his circumstances, circumstances remain the same the longer he stays at the altar of his God. This is the key. You got to work out what's in. You know how you work out what's in? When we begin to sing his love unfailing, his promises remaining. All, all my hope is in you, God. All my hope is in you. See, what happens is that our hope gets in our, our circumstances. I hope it changes. You know, I do too. You know, I mean, I intended to be a millionaire by now and I'm just not quite there. Just a... Well, what happens if I never become a millionaire? You know, 
What happens is if, if you're, whatever you're expecting your circumstances to be, don't change. No, I'm not talking about living in poverty. I'm not talking about not having a hope and expectation for healing in your physical body. I mean, there, there's promises of God that God's given us. But even in that, Jeremiah said, listen, before, before anything changes, he even had this, Jeremiah had this tenacity. You know what? Not only just before anything changes, even if nothing ever changes, my hope in God will never cease to be, this will be the place that I continue to turn to, the altar of my God and his glory and what he's done for me, who he is, what his heart is for me. This, this is how you and I work out what's in. This is how we do it. It's not, it's not trying to forget something. It's not trying to not remember the past and the hurts and the pain. It's not having a, a scrawny seven-year-old little brother who just wants to you know, get into you and not, not getting rid of him. No, it's, it's not that shift. It's a shift of what we're focusing to. What are we recalling? And how are we recalling it? So here's a question. What area of your life has more candles lit? Your affliction? or the promise of God? What has more candles lit in your life? Where is there more incense burning? Is it the issues of life? Is it the problems? Is it what you're, you're dealing with? Listen, we all deal. It never stops. So what has more of your focus and more of your attention? Because you and I will never work out what's in the things that we need to work out and get out of our life. Work out the things that constantly seem to control our thinking and control our emotions. And maybe there's really not, I mean, stuff that happened, maybe it was a year ago. And, and we're, listen, please understand me. Please know my heart. Let me say this in the most loving way that I can say. There's nothing that can minimize the reality of what's happened to us. No one, especially me, will ever dismiss your affliction. Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. You should be over that by now. That's, no one has a right to tell you that. But a question to ask yourself is, when? When are, when are you going to blow out the candles? Can I, I think that's a fair question, right? Is it, is it a, a week from now? I mean, I think only you can, you really only you can answer this question. How much, how much longer are you going to keep the candles burning? Is it, is it another week? Is it a month? When, when's it going to be long enough? A year from now? I mean, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is not, this is very serious. Like, I, I'm really, this is a question I think is one of the most important questions that you, and I'm not asking it of you. I think it's the most important question that you can ask yourself, no matter how tragic, no matter how severe, no matter how personal, no matter how legitimate, no matter how destructive what's happened to you has happened, the question that you need to be asking yourself is how much longer? When am I going to stop? When's the deadline? All right, I'm going to give myself another week to come to the altar of my despair, but after that I'm done. I think that, is that, that how long? You're going to give, is it another year? Can I at least encourage you to do this? Would you ask yourself that question, give yourself a hard end date? It might be right now. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's tonight, I don't know. 
Give yourself a hard end date. You say, you know what? I'm going to give it, I'm going to let it burn just then I'm, I mean, I'd encourage you sooner or later, but I, you understand what I'm saying here? Because if we don't give ourselves the, the deadline, we just, we'll just let it burn and burn and burn and burn. And when that candle goes out, we'll just go get another one and put it in its place and light it up. Why? Because there's just no end. When's the end? Oh, I guess when I feel better. You'll never, you, you might never feel better if you keep, I can guarantee you won't if you keep it, right? Keep it burning. Guys, let's just close it. Can you stand up with me and just close your eyes at the same time? Just not, there's nothing going to happen. No, no one's going to run around and try to steal your wallet on you if you close your eyes. Don't worry about it. But I just, for your, for your sake, just close your eyes just to remove distractions. And if this hit home with you today, like literally hit home of, you know what, I need to, I need to set a hard end date. You, you recognize that you have memorialized and personalized and really have taken ownership as in owning and, and protecting your pain. And, and you're, you're wanting, maybe you would say I'm ready, but some of you are like, I, I'm, I want to be ready. Maybe it's that. I just, I want to be ready to blow these candles out and not light them again. But you say, this was for me. There's some things that have hung around in my life and I know, maybe I know now why. And I, I'm ready. I'm ready to blow those candles out. With no one looking around, would you just lift your hand up because I want to pray for you. Hands up, hands up all over. God, right now in Jesus' name, and for those that are watching or listening to podcasts as well, God, right now in Jesus' name, we just pray. God, I pray for just courage and hope to rise up on the inside of them, to set the date, to say after this, no more. God, I pray for the courage and I pray for the wisdom of the spirit of the living God on the inside of them to lead them and to guide them. God, I pray that your hand would come upon them right now and they'd sense your strength, they'd sense your mercy just like Jeremiah recalled your, your great love and compassion and faithfulness. God, I thank you that that's happening in them right now. They know that they're lifting their hands to an almighty God that loves them more than they love themselves and cares for them more than they care for themselves and wants healing more than they want healing for themselves. So God, I pray for a supernatural work on their spirit right now that would give them life and hope to blow those candles out and to not worship before that altar anymore. In Jesus' name. As your eyes are still closed, we're still in this moment of prayer. You might say, Pastor Dan, um, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Talking about working out what's in, you've never allowed the one that can actually help you to work it out to get in. And his name is Jesus. And he is God's love expressed to you. God sent his only son to die on a cross for you, to become your sin. He didn't carry it. He became your sin so that you could become his righteousness, his holiness, his purity, so that you could have a relationship with God. This is your opportunity right now. I believe that if you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, whether you're in this room or you're listening or watching a podcast, wherever you are, I believe that this is your moment right now that God has ordained this moment right now to be that time, to be that moment where you say, Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. Make me new today. I'll never be the same again. This is your moment right now to do that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're listening or watching a podcast, put your pen and pencil down or notes, whatever, and just invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. 
because I want to pray for you. And if you'd say, Pastor Dan, that's me. Today's my day to make Jesus the Lord of my life. No one's looking around just between me, you, and God. Would you raise your hand up all across this room? Say, Pastor Dan, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. This is your day. It's a big day. It's a big moment. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Let's all pray this prayer. There's nothing special about my prayer. This is no formula, but this, you can use my words or you can use your own words, but let's just pray a prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash me and make me clean? God, would you remove all of my guilt and all my shame? I want to be free today. And I no longer want to be separated from you. So Jesus, would you come into my life? Come into my heart. Wash me and make me new. Be my Lord and my God. And say this boldly, I commit from this day forward that I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new today. I am a child of God right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate God.